Welcome to Career Catalyst, a podcast that focuses on the gap between career planning and job searching advice. There are plenty of great sources of understanding how to handle job interviews or career resumes or the importance of networking, but this podcast focuses on the important topic of what people actually do and what paths they have taken in their career journeys. On the next episode of season three, I talked with Adam Duggins, who is the co-founder and managing partner of New Page Capital, which is an investment group that has bought and operates small, medium-sized manufacturing and services companies in North Carolina. Adam's career story starts out with a degree in finance, and then he moves into consulting at Bain, and then his journey into entrepreneurship. He provides career insights and has a fantastic perspective on what it meant to him to pursue his passion. He's got a great story, and I think he's got some really fun things that he kind of discovered through his process of kind of moving through a finance role early on in his career in big corporate to then getting an MBA and going into consulting at Bain. And then when he sort of opened up to this idea of kind of starting his own company and then what where that led to where he's at today. Um, some great insights, not just for someone who's interested in finance, I think some really interesting ideas for anyone who's really kind of got an entrepreneurial spirit or has some really interesting uh, or has, has, has interests in where a career can take you. Um, remember, if you like this show, please give it some love, rate it, share it, follow it, tell your friends. And don't forget to check out one of our early episodes where we've had so many great guests who share their career story and their insights about how they've navigated tough decisions, pivots, and obstacles that every career journey is bound to have. I hope you enjoy the conversation because I certainly enjoyed having it. All right, welcome to the next episode here. Uh, as I'm always excited about guests, I've got a good friend of mine, uh, someone who I think has got a fascinating story, um, someone who's really worked their career to kind of find themselves in a very entrepreneurial kind of opportunity, kind of in the mid part of their career. Adam Duggins, thanks for joining the show, Adam. Glad to be here, Todd. Thanks for having me. Cool. So do you want to start off by just giving us your intro, like who you are, what you do, where you're at? Yeah. So uh, Adam Duggins, uh, I am uh, the managing partner for New Page Capital. And, and New Page Capital is uh, private equity-like, but we we don't have a private equity fund. We more invest in local triad businesses, um, you know, primarily industrial manufacturing type businesses here within the triad. Uh, and and for us, it's a it's a fun way to kind of get get our hands dirty in some businesses that others may not may not like as much. Um, and so we have uh, we have three local businesses here where we spend uh, the vast majority of our time. Very cool. All right, so let's we're going to come back to that for sure. Um, but let's let's go back to the, like kind of where you started out. So uh, you want to talk a little bit about like where you went to school and what you studied, and then how you kind of started your career. Yeah, so yeah, I think that the the journey kind of begins when I was I was born and raised in in Greensboro, North Carolina, and well, while being uh, raised here and had a great childhood and all that, I left with zero intention of ever ever coming back, which is kind of <laughs> funny how 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 that turned out. Um, I went to William Mary uh, up in Virginia, uh, mm-hmm. and uh, was a I'm six ten, so I'm probably <laughs> your tallest uh, tallest person you've had on. Um, and, uh, and, and so I played basketball there and had, had a very good experience and majored in, uh, majored in finance. Um, I had always had, uh, kind of, uh, uh, an aptitude for numbers. I always, always liked math. 
Um, and for me, that, that kind of made sense. Um, I, I'll be honest, I, I was so focused on athletics in college, I, I never really thought about what what was life like after that. And um, I distinctly remember my, my, uh, my senior year, our season ended. It was April. Uh, all my friends had, uh, had jobs lined up and I, I was uh, uh, engaged at the time and, and kind of sitting there going, wait a second. I, you know, I've, I've just, I've just asked this girl to marry me. Uh, I gotta, I gotta grow up quick. I gotta find a job. And, um, and I, and it, it's a funny story of how I, how I kind of came, came to my first, first job. It was with, uh, at that time they were called WorldCom and, and WorldCom for, for those who don't know was, the largest corporate bankruptcy in U.S. history. Well, this was about two months before that happened, and and a lot of there was a lot of fraud and and, and a lot of uh, bad stuff that had happened at Oracom. But um, but I had uh, you know I went down and interviewed him. It was down in Alpharetta, Georgia, uh, and uh, and I remember getting the call. It happened to be on my 22nd birthday from my mm-hmm. future boss, and he said, "Hey, good news, we're going to offer you the job," and I said, "I accept on the spot," and. <laughs> He said to me, he said, well, do, do you want to know how much you're making? And I was like, oh, yeah, sure, whatever. You can tell me that. But I'm going to say yes, no matter what you say. So um, so I was with WorldCom. It, it became MCI, WorldCom, and then MCI, and then eventually was bought out by Verizon. I was there for three years. Um, was was a, an amazing experience for a 22-year-old who who really had, you know, kind of no clue uh, what he wanted. Um, and, you know, I think that the, the, the one thing that I took away from that was, uh, you know, for me, um, I, I had nothing to lose. So I was 22. I had no responsibilities. I was, in, in, you know, engaged at the time, but um, but didn't really have real responsibilities. But a lot of people around me had families. A lot of people who I worked with, you know, had kids and all that. And, you know, the bankruptcy happened about a week after I accepted my job. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we had 75,000 employees uh, on my first day. And, and three years later, when I left to go back to business school, we had 30,000. And so a lot of people were impacted by the decisions of a few. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, some some guys who were in charge there before I was there made some, you know, what turned out to be criminal decisions mm-hmm. that really cost a lot of people their livelihoods. And and, and that was just really impactful for me at, at 22, 23, 24, you know, every other Friday, it was, who's going to, who's going to get laid off today. And, um, and so that was, that was hard, right. Uh, you know, that was a hard experience, something that at my age now I'm 40 now, um, I can't imagine being in an environment like that with all the pressures of a family and, 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 and all that and a mortgage and, and those things. But back then for me, it was, it was, I, 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 I was okay if I lost my job, right. Because I, I didn't have a whole lot to uh, be responsible for, but, a really impactful experience for me um, in terms of making, you know, making sure that I understood that as I advanced in my career and became, uh, you know, became a higher level person in in organizations that the decisions I made did impact real people's lives. Mm -hmm. Um, And and so, um, so anyway, I, I, you know, took the, uh, uh, took uh, the GMAT, went back, went to the university of Virginia um, and uh, did a couple years there, and then went to work for Bain and Company. So that's the consulting firm, uh, Bain. But I worked in the private equity group while I was there. So, so oftentimes people think that's Bain Capital. I did not work for Bain Capital, but I, you know, they would have been a client of, of ours there. Um, and yeah. so we, you know, we 
uh, uh, I helped due diligence different uh, private equity uh, uh, private equity uh, uh, deals while I was there, and you know that was just incredibly eye opening. I'll be honest, I, I didn't know what consulting was. I didn't know what private equity was before I went to grad school. Um, yeah. <laughs> it just wasn't a world I was familiar with. Um, and you know, spent four years at Bannon. I, I always describe it as it was. It's the best experience. I'm not sure I'd want to have again. Uh, very, very, <laughs> very, very demanding. Uh, uh, long hours. Um, I was. Uh, I, I never felt like I was the smartest person in the room. And in fact, most times I felt like I was the the dumbest person in the room. Just brilliant people there. Um, and in in my career up to that point, I had always felt like I could uh, outsmart or outwork the you know, those around me. And and Bain was the first time that I couldn't do either. Um, yeah. They were gonna everybody's gonna work harder than you, and they were gonna be smarter than you. And so a very humbling experience for me, um, but nonetheless a, a, a very good experience to kind of just see the world and, and see kind of a bigger bigger picture. Yeah, yeah. No, that's good. Hey, Adam, I, if you don't mind, I, like I I want to go back on a few topics there. If, if if you know, go even back into the WorldCom MCI. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. So just. You, so you all the way back, you graduated with a finance degree and you kind of found this, you know, you kind of found this opportunity with WorldCom. What was the role that, what was that first role that yeah. you took? Yeah, it was a financial analyst. Um, so I was in our financial planning and analysis group, which, you know, simplified was the the finance team of MCI. So MCI had the, obviously a huge accounting organization. And then we were, we were part of the, the finance organization and and so what that was is it was a it was a lot of projections. It was a lot of uh, restatements. Actually, we we spent the first year I was there uh, restating all the financials that had been wrong and were fraudulent from from the bankruptcy, uh, which was uh, which was super interesting. You know, it, it getting more kind of into the basics, into the blocking and tackling of what that job was. You know, it was a lot of Excel. It was a lot of uh, model building. It was a lot of presentations and and that was really good training ground because, you know, Excel, even to this day, while I don't use it nearly like I used to, uh, it's such a powerful tool and has been a powerful tool for me um, um, throughout my career. Yeah, well, and, and I imagine, too, some of the, like you said, kind of getting in, probably even in that unique situation of re-reporting or, you know, like going back and updating what was reported, you're, you're not only using, learning how to use this tool in a powerful way, but you're also digging into the business that maybe you wouldn't have been able to dig into if you were going into more of a stable finance. That's right. Yeah. It, it's, it's a great point, Todd. I mean, it, the best part about that job was for me, I was, I had no baggage, you know, I mean, a lot of the people who were around me, this was back in the day when your retirement or your 401k was tied to the company stock. Mm-hmm. Well, the company stock had gone from $90 to zero. And, and so there was a lot of bitterness as you might imagine. And, but for me, I had no baggage because I was, I was, the, I was new. I was the fresh faced college grad. Um, and so what ended up happening is, yeah, I got a lot of opportunities. I got exposed to the CFO of a 70,000, you know, uh, employee business pretty frequently. And, and and that was, that was really pretty powerful. Um, I, I, you know, I I look back on that now and I think how, um, how I behaved, I'm sure I was very immature. Uh, I'm sure I was, um, 
not confident. Um, and, 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 you know, I, I think back to, to different meetings I had where I, I was just kind of a fly on the wall. I was afraid to engage. Um, and, uh, and, and that was a great learning experience for me because I had, I had a couple people there who, who really invested in me and cared about my development, um, that would give me feedback when I was, you know, maybe not, you know, not engaging well in a meeting or, or, uh, you know, or engaging in, in, you know, in, in things, in times that, you know, you always course correct. And then I would engage too much in a meeting and they would say, Hey, maybe this is not the time for the year old financial analyst to speak up. Um, and, uh, and you, you find your balance, right. And are these individuals, or, I mean, are these like managers or direct line kind of supervisors? Or yeah, they- there was uh, like there was, uh, uh, you know, vi- vice presidents of FP&A, vice, you know, managers of FP&A, stuff like that. So yeah. um, all folks that were 10, 15, 20 years my senior. Got it. But they weren't all necessarily the person you reported directly into. Yeah, so they- it's it's a great point, Todd. Actually, the an interesting story about that. The guy who one of the guys who was in our group who was not my direct manager. Um, I asked for a recommendation from him for grad school Mm -hmm. and I had intended to go to, uh, university of North Carolina. Uh, that's where most of my family had gone. And I was kind of the black sheep from going out of state to William and Mary. And, um, and he said to me, he said, I'll never forget this. He said, Hey, I'm glad to do it. And I'll gladly write a recommendation, but only under one, uh, circumstance. And that's if you also applied to the university of Virginia, and I had never even thought about Virginia, never even considered it. And um, thank goodness I, I listened to them and, and applied there and, and found what turned out to be a better fit for me, I think, for uh, for my grad school experience. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of guests that come on and they talk about like those individuals around them within their whatever, you know, whatever roles they have and how the more you open up your mind to how those individuals can can help you, the outcomes are, are far greater than you'd ever anticipate if you just tried to rely on yourself or direct line manager or something like that. So yeah, I think that's, I think that's right. I mean, I think one thing I didn't do a good job early on in my career, but I, 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 it happened organically, but I could have been better about it. You know, was grabbing, like grabbing lunch with someone who I didn't report to. Right. Mm -hmm. Or, you know, and, and, and I think, you know, the, what you find is the vast majority of people who are older than you, who have more experience than you, um, gosh, they want to help. I mean, I think about myself now um, and people are always hesitant to kind of, uh, you know, can, you know, I don't, I don't want to, he's too busy. He doesn't want to grab lunch with me or he doesn't want to grab a coffee. And I mean, Todd, you know me, I've never said no to that. And, <laughs> you know, cause, cause to me, a lot of people did that for me it, it yeah. is, as my career was, was coming up and, and thank goodness. Right. And, uh, and I also had, you know, I had older siblings who were great uh, mentors for me and kind of guiding me through the thoughts. And and I had a, a, at that, she started out as my fiance and then and my, my wife who, who was really helpful in that. She was a recruiter, which really allowed me to hear her stories of other careers um, that she was engaging with and other folks she was engaging with. And that was helpful to, to hear, you know, everyone's first job is, I'm not going to say that job was perfect. It wasn't. But hearing other stories sometimes makes you realize, hey, sometimes the grass is greener, sometimes it's not. Yeah. Um, the thing I realized there is, uh, you know, the good take the good and the bad, but the the experience I was getting was just insane. I mean, it was yeah. just a tremendous experience for someone very, very early in their career. Mm. That's that's great. Yeah, there's 
there's a lot, I mean, there's a, like a lot to be said, like you said, of opening up and in getting all of those exposures as well as the uniqueness of like the situation you were in. Now, are you, did you have different jobs or are you sort of in the same kind of role for those three years before you went to business school? You know, I, 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 I think I became technically my title changed after 18 months to senior financial analysis, <laughs> analyst, so whatever that means. Um, certainly my, you know, my, my purview and my responsibilities increased, but I was always within that FPNA group the whole mm-hmm. time uh, mm-hmm. that I was there. Got it. So that now you're going to, to Virginia, right? You're, you're off to Virginia uh, business school and, um, you know, over UNC, maybe at the, you know, kind of dismay of some of your family members. Yes. Yes. <laughs> what was, you know, and what's interesting about that too is, I mean, that's kind of young, right? I mean, most, a lot of business school uh, candidates are, are probably out for four or five years before they go back to school. So was there any impact or was there any driver to say, I'm going to go after three years of, of work experience versus waiting four or five or six of some of the, you know, kind of quote unquote national averages might. Yeah. It's, it's a great pickup. I mean, I, you know, um, I think part of it was having gotten engaged so young and been married so young. I, I think I was at kind of a, a life stage that I was ready for that um, a little bit, but I was, you know, uh, uh, of the, the men in my class, I was, I think the third youngest, mm-hmm. um, and, and in a class of, you know, 340 and, and call it 200, you know, 200, 225 or men. So I, I was young and, and I, I have nephews now, interestingly enough, who are getting ready to apply for business school and which just makes me feel, <laughs> feel, <laughs> uh, but, um, I tell them, I think three years to me is the absolute minimum. And I think more a, a better number is four to five. Yeah. And, and really that's because, you know, in, in business school, your, your mindset changes so much. Um, it becomes less about, Hey, am I, am I going to make good grades? Am I going to be ranked well in my class? And it becomes more about, and particularly at a place like Darden at, at UVA, it becomes, what am I going to get from this? And I think you get more from it when you have more experiences to share. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and, and so I, I think for me, I think for me, my time at MCI, I was ready after three years to, to that was a, uh, you know, just a tough environment, just given the, the employee figures that I shared with you earlier. Yeah, um, yeah. And I was ready to try something new. You know, in retrospect, you know, I probably could have benefited from maybe going somewhere else for a year or two before I went back. But, um, but I was fortunate enough to get into to UVA, and I'm, I'm gl- certainly glad I, I did when I did, because um, it, you know, it 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 gave me an advantage at each step that I kind of entered certain roles, and I was always a you know two, maybe three, sometimes four years younger than my peers, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just had a lot more energy. I mean, I think now, I think back now, I had classmates at UVA who are my age now uh who were there and I'm I'm so impressed that they were able to keep up with all us young kids then because <laughs> I, was, I was 24 when we started there and uh and uh you know I think I think energy is so important and particularly early on in your career because I think it allows you to just get so much more out of out of what you're doing yeah yeah well I, I speaking from experience I was in the opposite end of the spectrum when I went to business school I was 31 and I, I think I was the fourth oldest. <laughs> so, um, I feel that for sure. Um, all right. So 
when you went into, you know, you, you, you know, when you talked about moving from, um, you know, uh, your business school, you know, getting to the MBA and then going into Bain, did you, did you go into business school with the intentions of, I'm going to get my MBA and then I want to get into consulting or you, you weren't, you know, you weren't really sure what you were going to do after the MBA. Cause you did mention there was, there was the opportunity with Bain that you wouldn't have even thought of before business school. So I'm curious how, you kind of had thought that through or didn't, you just got that experience in, in business school, which set you up to be able to go get the, the opportunity at, at Bain. Yeah. And so when I, when I interviewed at UVA, they asked me what I wanted to be. And I said, a CFO. Hmm. And, and the reason I said that was because that's all I knew, um, <laughs> you know, and, and that was kind of the culmination of, of the organization that I had just been in. And, uh, and I got to, I got the door and I got in and, and I remember the first week I was meeting with someone, a woman named Connie English, who, who's a, a great friend. And, and she, you know, we kind of sat down and she was in the alumni career services department. And I talked to her for a while about what I wanted and what I didn't want. And, and pretty much we walked away from that conversation and she said, well, you don't really know what you want yet. And that's okay. That's what business school is a great place for someone like that. Mm-hmm. And if, and, and it, honestly, even after business school, I wasn't quite sure what I wanted. And consulting is a really, really great logical extension of business school in that regard, because it, it allows you to, uh, uh, you know, explore a number of different functions, whether it be marketing operations, finance. Um, and, and for me, I just still hadn't kind of crystallized in my head what, kind of long-term my, my goals were. Now I'll tell you when I joined Bain, um, I joined Bain with every intention of staying there for the rest of my career. Um, that's kind of, you know, it's kind of one of the things that I'm always, um, yeah, you know, my mindset is always when I go in, I go in. And, yeah, and yeah. so I, I didn't go in. Some people you were going in and they're saying, Hey, I'm going to do this for two years, three years, get my experience and I'm going to leave. I, that was not me. Uh, I, 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 I dove head first in, but you know, the great thing about business school is it exposed me to some areas that I just had, had had no exposure to, uh, particularly operations and, and marketing. Those were just two areas that I, I was always very comfortable in finance and accounting, um, and, and strategy to a lesser extent, but, but you know, marketing and operations were, were certainly important and, and, and organizational behavior, which, um, which you, you kind of dabble on in business school, but you know, it's funny how it, it turns into the vast majority of your job, the, the higher up you get. Um, and, uh, and it feels like, you know, now that's all I spend my time on is people, um, which, which is interesting, but, um, but it was, it was, you know, consulting acted as that logical extension of, of business school when I, I wasn't really sure yet. And, and so, you know, but, but I, what I was sure is I didn't want to close any doors. And, yeah. and when you go to a place like Bain, um, you can still go into quote unquote general management. Uh, you can still go into finance if you want to. Um, and, and it doesn't really shut any doors on you. Very, yeah, very cool. Um, you know, talking about just the timeline and I'm just trying to, I'm just trying to track the timeline. Just want to curious, is this right around 2008, 2009? Yeah. Good, 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 uh, uh, good insight there. I graduated <laughs> in 08. Wow. So, um, and you know, if you remember 08 first in, in March, you had, you had the Lehman bankruptcy mm-hmm. and you know, that kind of, it, it's, it's funny, not funny, but 
I was always able to claim I had worked at the largest corporate uh, U.S. corporate bankruptcy uh, ever. And then Lehman happened and replaced uh, Rollcom. <laughs> and uh, and I had several you know classmates who had you know full time jobs lined up. And that that summer was weird, right? Because I think what what particularly younger folks don't realize was when all that happened, it didn't happen overnight. Um, it took time and it really took to fully flush through about nine months to a year. And so it felt like every other week, you know, you were having, uh, uh, you know, pretty significant announcements of financial institutions were having, having real, um, real trouble. And I started my job in, uh, late July. So I started and it was even in that summer, it was still kind of the housing market hadn't fully kind of uh, unfolded yet. Uh, you were still in kind of a good spot. And then I remember, I'll never forget this. I had I had bought my house, which was in the kind of heart of Atlanta. And, and one of the partners at Bain pulled me aside and said, well, you know, congratulations on your house. It's probably going to go down in value by 20% over the next year because the housing market's crashing. And I was like, why couldn't you have told me this a month ago before I bought this house? You know, it was my first mortgage, right? Um, and he was right. And um, and so what was hard about that time though, being I was kind of insulated, to be honest, from it all. Um, you know, I was, uh, 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 you know, we didn't really, uh, uh, Bain kind of made a, a decision, I think a smart one of that, that they were going to honor all the offers and, and not retract any offers. But I had a lot of classmates who lost offers and they all landed on their feet eventually, but it, it was, it was scary. It was a scary time. I remember particularly that fall. Um, I remember the stock market was just all over the place. And, yep, yep. um, but you know, it's interesting. I, I, uh, I, I had my first, I had my oldest, uh, my first child who's now my, obviously my oldest now. And, uh, he was born in October and, and, I was just kind of laser focused on that and on, you know, my first post MBA job. And, and, and I think I, I really, um, I really was not um, concerned about any of that other stuff, frankly, because I just had enough going on in my own household to, to deal yeah, with. Yeah. So, so you're at Bain, right? And, and you, I mean, how long are you at Bain, and what kind of, I mean, what kind of roles are there in in the organization that you're working at within Bain? Yeah. So the first, uh, I was there for four years. I, I had interned there at, uh, while I was at UVA, so mm -hmm. I'd been there for the summer of '07, and then I was there. I ended up staying for four years, uh, okay. and four years in strategy consulting is a long time. Um, yeah. we had to kind of give you a sense, we had 20 people come in, in our class in Bain, Atlanta. And I was, when I left, I, uh, there were only four left who stayed longer than me. And, and now there's only the only one, one still there. So, um, and that's, that's kind of the, you know, the, the, the design, um, is that it's for people to come in and get a really rich, impactful experience very quickly. But most folks do move on to something else. Um, I spent my first year in healthcare, uh, in kind of a healthcare operations uh, uh, case that was super interesting. Um, and you know what that looks like is that was a, a healthcare provider uh, there locally in uh, uh, in Atlanta, and we were advising them on you know their kind of go to I don't want to say go to market because that's a little different than than healthcare, but the kind of access uh, to patients and how they should 
do their strategy around the size clinics they were they were building and 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 in the different hospitals that they ran as well. So uh, super interesting. Healthcare is a is a is a fascinating space, and I ended up actually coming back around to that for a, a brief time after Bain. Mm-hmm. Um, and then after that, I went into the private equity group, and and what that looked like was, you know, a, a private equity firm would come to us and say, hey. We're thinking about doing an investment here. Um, here are the three kind of key market questions we want to answer. And we want to answer these in three weeks. And it, it was what that taught me was nothing's impossible. I mean, you know, I, I always said when I was there, you know, the, the first week you had to understand what experts were saying in the industry. The second week you had to sound like an expert. And the third week you had to be an expert. Yeah. Um, and obviously that's not totally possible but you know just a total total immersion in a specific industry that a private equity firm was potentially going in or um or you know a specific function whatever it may be um again um very demanding very demanding um but uh, a a fun experience and 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 you know it, it was just so eye-opening to all these different industries that are out there that I had never even thought about. Um, and, you know, it was, it was a, a great opportunity. I spent a lot of time in, um, you know, in kind of the Northeast and, and on the West coast, um, which was, was, you know, traveling, traveling was fun, although it was getting harder at that point. Um, I had, uh, we had our oldest and then uh, 15 months later had twins. Uh, and so our, our life had changed uh, pretty dramatically uh, on the home front. Um, and, and so, you know, and when I had the twins, I think even, you know, folks who worked with me knew um, that my time was probably short um, just given the, given the demands that, that, that my mm-hmm. home life required. And then, um, and then I, you know, I, and then I think my last job, my last project was with a, a government contractor, uh, you know, so, that's the cool thing about a place like that is you just get such a diversity of, um, of experiences. And, you know, one thing it taught me was, you know, if you bring in someone like Bain, yeah, there's going to be industry experts there, but a lot of the, a lot of the folks who are doing the work, you know, the, the, the consultants, they're not necessarily experts, but they bring really fresh, innovative ideas. And it, it, it made me think about this idea of more of, of, Hey, I can apply this skill set that I've got, and really in, in, into most industries. Um, and and I think for us, you know, as as we think about New Page, that's that's how we think about it. That we are, um, you know, we have a, a, a wide breadth of of experiences that we can apply to, um, you know, two different types of industries. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cool. We, we lost, we had a little gap there, but I think, I think the, we, we only missed a little part of it, but ultimately the message was the, the exposure to the different types of industries was really a great value in that experience at Bain because you're, you're getting into it and, and, and value to the individual because of the exposure to the different industries, but then also a value to the company because you're bringing these individuals in who have the fresh thinking and, and maybe some sort of more open mind about, possibilities or transferring or proxy ideas from other industries, right? Yeah, that's right. And, and, and I think it's, it's a, you're bringing in a tremendous amount of intellectual horsepower with, you know, it's, it's the smartest of the smart of these 20, 20 year olds, you know, 25, 30 year olds who are all from the, 
you know, these top kind of colleges and business schools and you stick them in a room and guess what? Good things happen. And, uh, yeah. and, uh, and so I, th- I think that's right. And, and, you know, I think you look at a place like UVA, I think a third of the graduating class now probably goes into consulting of some sort. So, um, yeah. it, it's, it's become even more popular, uh, since, uh, since I was there. Sure. And you made a comment, you've kind of explained it now a few times, just to kind of nail down the comment you said a little bit earlier, it was, I think you said it was the four or five, like the best four or five years that you wouldn't want to do again. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It, it, and, and listen, I mean, there were others, you know, the, the, the one person who made it from our class, who, who's still a partner there, you know, he was just smarter than me. So he could, he could do the job in 50 to 60 hours a week. Yeah. I couldn't. I, I, I just, I, you know, I don't know if that was a lack of capability, if that was a lack of intellect. I, I don't know. I mean, I, I will say this about being there. I had, I never felt more average in my life. And, um, and that was, again, it was humbling, but it was, it was just demanding. And so the, the hours were long. And, and so I'm so glad I did it. I'm so glad I did it. Yeah. Um, but there was a sense of relief when, when I left there. And I think that's true for a lot of folks who, who go into that. Yeah. You know, it, it, it's an interesting insight too, right? Because, you know, Bain is certainly a, a very high level example, uh, because of, like you said, just the, 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 the way in which they draw their consultants into their organization or recruit their, their consultants, but it's probably also an insight on, on anything, right? Like there's a, there's a lot of value in a career, if you can find a place that's going to challenge you almost to the point, like you said, where you feel average, not, you know, certainly not, um, you know, demoralized, but like certainly a way of kind of making sure you realize there's a lot of smart people in this world. Right. Yeah. And, and, and I think, I think that place teetered on that kind of, you know, uh, uh, that feeling of gosh, I mean, every day I'd walk in, I better be ready to go. You know, everybody who was around me was just better than me. And, um, and, and I think that, you know, if you, if you're the average of the four, you know, the other four people in the room, uh, that you're in there with, um, I, I was, I always felt like I was the bottom, you know, there and, and just the, the brilliance. And, and what's been really fun is, is to see, particularly for the, the undergrad consultants who we had there, several of the, of the guys who I, I managed when I was there, um, have gone on to just do just tremendous successful things two in particular in entrepreneurship. And, and, and that's been super fun to, to, to see them, to see them kind of expand in their career and, and do that. And, and, you know, and I think that's the, the one thing that place does embrace is it says, you know, we, we will put, you know, just really, really smart, a lot of intellectual horsepower in a room and, but we will demand a lot. And, and I think that's what, when you have clients who they have, who are, um, who are demanding a lot. I mean, I think that's, that's to be expected. Yeah. So, so you're, you're getting to the end, of, you know, now you're at the end of Bain. What happened? Like what are the next couple of steps that got you from Bain to new page? Yeah. Um, so, you know, I had I kind of worked my tail off at Bain. I had gotten past the, there's a threshold where you get promoted after, after three years. And I had, I had made that. And then it was, you know, probably five years to, to make it to partner. And, um, it was an interesting kind of reflection point for me because my entire life I had been, it felt like I had kind of been working for this and working to get to this, 
this dream, quote unquote, dream job, this post NBA dream job that in my mind at that point, at least was being a being, maybe being a partner at Bain and not to say I would have made it or, or, you know, I, I don't know that I would have. Um, but I, I, I kind of reflected on it and I said, Hey, I actually, I, I don't know how content I am um, and how fulfilled I am in what I'm doing. Hmm. And right about that time, uh, a, a guy who was actually a year uh, behind me at um, at Virginia contacted me. A guy who worked at was working for a private equity firm out of Alabama, uh, and they had acquired a, a, a healthcare services business in the Triangle region um, uh, uh, in North Carolina. And he said, "Hey, we've got kind of a COO operations type role there. Um, would you be interested?" and you know, again, reflecting on where we were personally, that, that, which dictated a lot. You know, I was, my oldest son at that point was uh, three and a half and my twins were two and a half. And I, I didn't feel like I was, I was there enough. And, and that was a big kind of reason for the change was I, I really wanted to kind of create a more holistic approach, um, you know, to my life. And, and part of that was family and part of that was community. Um, I had been asked to, to jump on, you know, some, you know, kind of small boards down in Atlanta. And I just, I couldn't say yes, cause I didn't have the time. Um, or at least I didn't feel like I had the time. And, and so, um, when, when, when this, when this guy, you know, called me up and said, Hey, I've got this opportunity, healthcare services, business, private equity held up in North Carolina. I jumped at it. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and so that's, that's what led me out the door Bain, and And then I went to care services and, and that was for a year. Um, you know, great experience. It was the first time I had managed hourly, uh, employees. Um, it was, uh, the first time I had worked in a very rural setting. Uh, even though we were in the quote unquote triangle, we were about 30 miles North of Raleigh. So, um, I'm pretty far out there and, uh, and very, you know, very grounding. I, I look at that year, I had, I had been spending a lot of time the previous four years with uh, private equity clients and with MBAs and high level executives. And, and sometimes that can be, it can be hard to stay grounded to, to what kind of reality is. And, uh, and, and so that year was so good for me. Um, And it was so good for my family, honestly, because it's a year that we lived in Durham and, and it was a year that, uh, my wife and I got to spend more time together. I got to be with my kids so much more. Um, and, and it was a year for me, honestly, in some ways. Now, again, I went into that job thinking I was going to take over and run that business for them, right, mm-hmm. uh, eventually. But it also, you know, when I went from working probably 80 hours a week down to 50, it gave me a lot of time to reflect on my career and where I was. And and decide to kind of do something crazy, and that's how that's how New Page started. Huh. So, um, yeah, I mean, get into that story, right? I mean, is this something that you? I mean, how did you get to? Well, like maybe explain what New Page is again, yeah, in yeah. a little more detail, and then talk a little bit about how you arrived on the idea and how you kind of built it up, if you don't mind. Yeah. So so. What new page is? So we we started. It essentially started out as the idea of, hey, I'm going to buy an operating business. So it's interesting. It's it's like the search fund model that you're seeing a lot of MBAs do now. It just wasn't as popular eight nine years ago. I mean, 
you saw it coming out of Harvard and Stanford, but none of, none of the other business schools were really generating folks who were doing this. Um, and, and so the idea was go find a business, a privately held business where there was a secession plan issue and take over. And it really came from this, Todd. You know, I, when I was at Bain, we would engage with private equity clients and they would, a couple of things came up in those, those meetings. And, you know, I, I remember one distinctly where, you know, they, we, we did probably, you know, six weeks of incredibly intensive work to come to an answer on a deal. And then they, they, there was a 67 year old owner who was kind of the, the, the brainchild of the whole operation and the, the private equity firm couldn't figure out how to replace him. And so yeah. they, they killed the deal. Right. And everything else made sense, but they couldn't, they were, they weren't comfortable with their ability to replace them. So that was one. So secession planning was so, so critical. Um, So that, that, that I'd been exposed to that. The other thing I'd seen is a lot of the private equity firms would only look at deals of EBITDA down to probably, you know, 5 million uh, at the time. It's probably now like three, two to three now, but, but back then it was five. Um, and so I kept thinking, gosh, there's got to be good deals that are below that, that aren't that aren't $100,000 EBITDA businesses, but are maybe a little bigger. Um, and there's kind of an untapped sweet spot. And then the, the last thing was, um, you know, I would, I would talk to private equity guys and they'd talk about um, going to North Carolina. And I'd always perk up and I'd say, oh, you're going to my home state. Where are you going? And they'd say, I'm flying into Raleigh and then driving over to Charlotte. And I'd say, you're driving through the hometown. You're driving through the triad. Why don't you look at some deals there? Ah, yeah. It, it, it's kind of hard to get to. And I was like, you know, and I'm sitting there in New York where there's six flights a day from LaGuardia to the Greensboro airport. And I'm like, yeah. but it was a perception thing. And I, and I think what's been, you know, it, it, what's been fun has been to see that perception change of our area over time. Yeah. But you, you bring those three things together and you say, okay, secession planning and, uh, businesses of one to two million in EBITDA in an area that I believe is underinvested in in the triad. And, and that's how New Page started. Um, and and originally it was just going to be one deal. It was just going to be me finding one business and that's it. Wow. Um, so I went to my wife and, you know, I had been working my tail off five years post MBA and three kids. And, and I went to her and I said, okay, here's what I want to do. I want to quit my job. Okay. And I want to search for a business full time and I want to move to my hometown. Um, and, uh, cause I think there's more opportunity there. We thought about doing it in Raleigh or Richmond, but I feel, I felt like there was more opportunity in Greensboro actually. And mm-hmm. in the triad. And so I said all that to her and I'll never forget this. She, she, um, she sat there for quietly. She's a processor. So she sat there quietly for about 10, 15 seconds. I'm sitting there going, this, 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 she thinks I'm crazy. Yeah. And with that, and then she, she, she looked at me and she goes, okay, I'm in. And that was it. And, you know, it was one of those life moments where I, 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 I certainly knew at that point that I'd chosen the right life partner. Cause she was, she had my back no matter what. And, yeah. and, and I kind of felt like, man, there's nothing that's going to prevent me from making this successful when I've got someone who believes in me like that. And so, um, so we moved it. We moved to Greensboro, and I started looking. And, and so, what did that entail? Um, it entailed me. I did something like six hundred or seven hundred different individual meetings with, you know, connectors and business owners and accountants and lawyers and everyone in the area. 
um, and just said, hey, I'm looking for a business to buy. It was it was a pretty simple proposition. Yeah. Um, through that process, I came across a guy who had been a year ahead of me at, at UVA in grad school um, named Rick Ramsey. And I had been kind of inkling on probably wanting to have a partner in, in doing it. And he had he had been inkling to do it as well. And and so mm-hmm. we started talking and and decided to make a partnership. And and I'm so grateful we did that because I think it's allowed us to make New Page bigger than what it what it was originally intended to be, which was the original intent was just find find me a business to to run and run it and that's it. Yeah. Um, and then um uh and then you know what's what's so funny also about that year, Todd, is uh I was making virtually no money. So we were burning through every bit of savings we had made the last five years. <laughs> and I remember, I remember my wife kind of asking, she's like, so how do you make money searching for a business? And I, I said, you don't, but I was like, I think we can, we can make it work. I was like, I think I got, we got 18 months to make this work. Um, so I've never felt pressure like that in my life. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, I'd better darn well find something um, or, or, you know, or I was going to have to go back to the corporate corporate world, which would have been fine. Um, yeah. and I, I would have found something. But yeah. so that's how New Page started. It took us 14 months. We found a, a steel fabricator. Um, I, we've owned it now for seven years. I, I never thought I'd be in steel. I mean, what what a what, that's not something I when I was growing up I said I wanted to be in, in steel, but has been a fascinating industry to be in, and 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 been been really fun, and 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 it's been a fun uh, it's a fun group that we have there, and then. Uh, we we acquired an HVAC business, so commercial industrial HVAC business in early seventeen, and then a coatings business. And I say coating, so most people think of computer coating. This is actually coating of automotive parts, so C O A T I N G. Um, and uh, we acquired that. Uh, it's been three years uh, uh, ago, so that's called Jet Hot Coatings. And so that's kind of what we are. We're, we're three businesses. All the businesses have between kind of 50 and 70 employees. And, and what we try to do is we try to create um, advantages to the businesses working with each other, right? Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, as a 50 to 70 employee business, there's a lot of pain points. Um, and so for us, we try to address those pain points by, you know, uh, by uh, sharing different services across like IT, for instance, we have an IT person, but he works for all, he works on all three of the, the businesses. Yeah. And so, um so it's been good. It's been it's been interesting. It's it's certainly not where I thought I'd end up, um, but uh, but it certainly uh, has been a been a good result. Yeah, you know, you, you said something about I never thought I'd get into uh, steel, right? Or I never thought I'd be in some of these businesses. But you're very passionate about what you're doing, and people always talk. I mean, I think it's actually one of the things that people get some misdirection on when they're given advice find your passion because they yes. your, and I think that, you know, you, what you just said is a great example of passion. Finding your passion doesn't mean just pursue. I mean, maybe it does if you're into music or something going into whatever, but like, what is it that you're passionate about that you think got connected into when you started new page that wasn't necessarily, I'm not passionate about steel per se, but I found my, how to connect to a passion because of what this company has done for me. Yeah, that's that's a great pickup, Todd. Um, I remember I, I I had a meeting with someone in Greensboro 
early. This was before I had actually left Maine and I was back here and just meeting with some folks and just doing some general networking. And, and someone said that they said, you need to find your passion. You don't, you're not passionate about anything. And I've always been a generalist. And so there was never like an industry that I was like, yes, I want to do that. Or, or, or there was never a function like finance. Like I want to do more finance. I mean, for, for me, um, that was such, it was a bad meeting actually. <laughs> and, uh, but it made me reflect a lot on what I was passionate about. And, and it made me actually realize how passionate I was about my hometown. Um, and, and for me, I had watched from afar for years that, you know, you know, when you live in an area like the triad where the three major industries that it was built on were textiles, furniture, and tobacco, the last 30 years weren't very kind to those industries. Mm-hmm. And I, I kept thinking, how can I, how can I help address that? Um, even in a small way. And so I, I would say where my passion lies is it's building strong, healthy businesses in the triad because there's nothing I love more than giving someone the opportunity to make a living here. Mm-hmm. You know, nothing I love more than knowing that I'm taking care of, um, of someone's family, you know, particularly this time of year with, you know, with the holidays and all that it's, it's so engaging and so fulfilling for me. And, and I, I think when I realized that and how much juice I get from that, I realized that, I mean, there was, there were other paths I could have taken where I certainly could have made more money. Um, and been more quote unquote financially successful. Um, but you know, for me, it's about, it's about knowing all the employees by, by their name. It's about knowing their family situations. It's about, um, it's about giving them opportunities to grow their income. And, and I kind of have discovered that along the way of how much of a driver that is for me, uh, in, in this process. And so when people ask me what my passion is, I say, it's, it's Greensboro. It's the triad. Like, I want to I want to take businesses that otherwise might not make it or might be pulled to other areas and I want to keep them here and I want to make them vibrant and I want to make them successful and and for me that's just that's so energizing because and and you know the 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 fortunate thing for us is you know we're seeing such great opportunity and growth in this area um you know with with some recent economic development that's happening here I, I, I hope uh, it's, you know, it's better to be lucky than good. I hope we've, yeah. I hope we've been, we've made a good bet in the triad and I, and I believe we have. And, yeah. you know, so when we, when we bet on the triad, you know, eight years ago, I think a lot of people were kind of confused by it because uh, they said, why would you, why wouldn't you go to Charlotte or Raleigh? Uh, and uh, part of it is because everyone else is going to Charlotte or Raleigh. So I wanted to go to a place that people weren't investing in invest now you know, because I knew at some point things were going to really get going here and, and they're starting to. Yeah. Well, I, this is a personal comment real quick. I know that, the, you know, these discussions are always about the guests and their fascinating stories, but it's not just the employees you're sharing your passion with. I have personally benefited from your passion for Greensboro. And there's a whole story there that we're not going to get into, but I think it's good to acknowledge that, Adam. So um, you, you your passion for Greensboro and how you've unlocked those passions are benefiting many more people than just your employees. So I think that's, you know, I think for anyone who listens, you know, when you're talking about passions, when you truly find what that is, and it isn't, it might not be as obvious like to Adam's point here about Greensboro is a passion for him. 
all of a sudden that passion becomes such an igniting force beyond just what the individual is doing. So I want to say thank you for that. Just well, man, I, I, I so appreciate that. And, and when, when I, I you know, I, I see someone like you, who's not from here, have, have a similar passion for this area as I do. It, it, I can't tell you, it, it goes both ways, right? I mean, it's a two way street. It gives me energy. Right. And I think that's, what's so fun about, about doing all this is, um, is, you know, I, I think I remember people used to say, and I remember being in business school when you get these really successful people who'd come in and they'd say, when you're passionate about something, it doesn't even feel like work. And I, I was always just like, oh, whatever. That, that doesn't seem very genuine. Um, you know, I do something every day I don't want to do. I think we all do, right? We always have to do stuff we don't want to do. But I think as a whole, my goal has been with the passion I have for this area and the, and the things I'm involved in is to try to try to make it fun. And, yeah. uh, and I think we're, we're, we're Lord for a large part being pretty successful about that. Yeah, no, that's, that's absolutely true. Well, Hey, I, I, um, I do want to ask a couple of other questions. So your story and your, your timeline there was, was really great. And, you know, you've certainly found yourself in what some people might define as sort of a, maybe a non-traditional outcome of, you know, corporate America consulting, and then you really, you know, have gone out and, and really set up this, like you said, this kind of PE slash entrepreneurial situation. One thing you did say, and if you don't mind just explaining it to someone, especially who's early in their career, they might not have heard the, the concept, but what, when you say search fund, what, what are you referring to? Yeah, yeah, that's good. Um, so a search fund is essentially, you see a lot of uh, MBAs who are doing this. You go to investors and you say, okay, hey, I'm going to go search for a business to, to, to buy. And, but I, but you know, most people don't have, I had been fortunate enough. I had worked for five years. So I had a nest egg to be able to support myself so I could eat and, and have a roof over my head. But you know, most people, particularly coming out of an MBA, they don't have that ability. So they go to investors and they say, Hey, invest in, invest in me. And I'm going to go search and I'm going to go find a business to buy. And, um, and, and so, you know, you raise several hundred thousand dollars for the search to, to kind of, uh, get it going and do it for a couple of years. And it takes a little bit of the pressure off of the, the searcher, um, and then allows the searcher to kind of make good decisions. And then once you find a deal that if you invested in that search fund then you can obviously have rights to, to, to buying in on the deal. Um, and so that's, that's essentially what it is. You see a lot of it coming out of the kind of high you know like a stanford or harvard a lot of harvard mbas do this um and uh and that's kind of not to say that that's where it's originated but i think it was at least 10 years ago was most popular coming out of there you're seeing it at other places now too i mean we've seen it at uva whereas 10 years ago this wasn't even a concept that anybody was talking about now you know i, I think you know probably three to five graduates a year are doing it um and so it's uh it's a pretty you know, kind of fascinating model from, from my standpoint. And I, so I, I kind of did a fundless search, right? So I had no, I had no funding. I had my own funding mm -hmm. uh, and that's how, that's how I did it. Very cool. And if you're, I mean, if you think about advice, you might give someone in that, if, you know, if it's a search fund kind of strategy, or if it's like you said, kind of a fundless search or just the idea, like I do think more and more people are realizing how, you know, how, how much opportunity there can be, by going and, and potentially, you know, investing in a business and then operating the business, would you have any advice on how to think about it? Like, you know, how to how to how to make sure you're 
you know, maybe approaching it the right way, or maybe even pressure testing if you're the right fit for this type of, you know, path. Yeah, I, I, I think I, there's two bits of advice I'd offer. One, be very, very deliberate about what you're looking for and what you're not. Um, so when we set out, we said, hey, we want to look at anything within about a 60 mile radius of Greensboro. And I'll be honest, I'd like I had multiple people tell me we were going to fail because <laughs> because the geographic uh, region was too small. So the pipeline wasn't big enough. Um, but I was willing to take that risk. Right. And uh, and, you, you, you know, it's funny to make this happen. You need a certain amount of delusion. And I probably had a lot of delusion. <laughs> but um, but, you know, I think I think you think about that bit of advice of just knowing exactly what it is you're looking for and, and also being willing, willing to kind of compromise off of that. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I think our first deal is a perfect example. I mean, steel is a tough, it's a tough business to be in. Right. And it's cyclical and there's not a lot of recurring revenue. Um, and you know, that those were things that we didn't necessarily love about it, but there were other factors that caused us to want to do it. And, um, and so it's been it's been a good thing. I think the other thing that I would say is you really have to go down the path of what does it look like if you fail? And we have a, a shared friend, Chad Oakley, who guided me through that. Um, you know, Chad is a the CEO of Charles Aries, who is they do executive search and 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 I had kind of known Chad not very well actually, but I called him up and it's just kind of the kind of one of those moments when I, I don't even think Chad realizes how important it was to me when mm-hmm. I'm like, Hey Chad, I'm thinking about doing this. Am I crazy? And you know, Chad was great. He said, he said, uh, you know, what does failure look like to you? And I said, Oh gosh, I buy a business and it goes to zero the next day. And he's like, it's not like, that's not realistic. So let's be realistic. What actually happens? And, and yeah, you know, he walks through, you walk through all the different scenarios and I think you get really comfortable and what that looks like. And I think once she realized that, hey, failure is maybe not quite as dark, dark as I, I think it's going to be, it frees you up. And and mm-hmm. for me, that's what happened. It, it freed me up to take some chances and, and to be willing to really, really willing to put myself out there in a big way. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's, that's great. I mean, that's great advice, probably in general, right? Yeah. Right. It's you never as bad as you think it's going to be. Yeah. Right. right. And I tell you, the last 18 months have with COVID have certainly tested that because there were there were days when I'm going, oh my gosh, I have three businesses. We are, you know, what have I gotten myself into? Yeah. Um, and I always go back to, you know, you just you 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 grind, you do the work, and you know, it's never as bad. It's never as good as you think it is, and it's never as bad as you think it is. Yeah. No, that's that's true. That's true. All right. So I, I, I got to ask my kind of final two questions here, if you don't mind. And, and they're sort of similar, but, you know, in, in the sense of kind of looking back, um, the first one is, uh, you know, defining success. Right. And, you know, everyone comes out of college or everyone kind of starts out, you know, early in their career with one definition, definition of success. And a lot of times that definition of success can be very different by the time they get to 35, 40, and then even, you know, as they continue on their career, when you think about where you're at today, how would you say your definition of success is different than what it would have been when you were 22 coming out of William and Mary? Yeah. Great question. Um, 
you know, coming out of William Mary at 22, I think my definition of success was probably very uh, financially driven. Um, I, I was probably focused on wanting to hit a certain net worth, maybe, I, I, you know, I, you know, and, and, and move up in my career, build my resume, all that. Um, <laughs> now, um, it, it, it's, it's about one word and that's control. And, mm-hmm. and, and people sometimes hear that and they go, oh, gosh, he, he wants to control all the things that are happening to him and, or control the businesses. It's not actually about um, control of the businesses. It's not necessarily control over, um, you know, over a lot of money. It's about control over my time mm-hmm. um, and like control where I live, control uh, my time, control um, how my employees are treated control, you know, it, it, it's really centered around that. And, and, and so for me, my level of contentment is highest when I feel like, um, I'm able to have the most amount of, uh, control over how I spend my time. And, um, you know, I have four, four boys who, you, you know, who, who are all at, at different ages and are very active. And a big reason I did this, frankly, was, I wanted more control over my time to have flexibility about when I worked mm-hmm. so that I could be at all their games so that I could yeah. be at all their stuff. And, and, and I, and I am, and that's something that for me at 22, it just wasn't in the cards. I mean, um, you know, my, my, my dad was at a lot of my stuff, but he, he worked a lot. He worked a lot. He, he, he was a hardworking individual and a great role model from that standpoint. Um, but I think he sacrificed a lot because of that. And, 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 and so for me, I, I wanted to put myself in a situation where I've probably made some sacrifices from a financial standpoint to have more control over how I spend my time. Yeah. And, 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 and that's, that to me is the ultimate measure of, you know, kind of trying to minimize all the stuff each day that I don't necessarily enjoy doing and try to maximize all the stuff each day that I do enjoy doing and if you sometimes keep it that simple, it, it, it works out. Yeah, that's, 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 it's a, it's a slightly different way of saying it than other people, but it's, it's a very common theme, right? Like earning, I mean, earning is kind of the goal early on for various reasons. Some it's because that's only the only thing, you know, but then also, you know, you do have to earn, you know, you got to get to yeah. a level of income, but then you're right. You you get into those those major life transitions of family and kids and houses and mortgages and stuff like that, and you start to get real serious about what that time value is to you yeah. for sure. Yeah, it, it's 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 disingenuous if if I come across as saying, well, money doesn't matter. Yeah. It absolutely yeah. does. And and, and I think I, I've been around other successful people who say, well, you know, money's not really important anymore. And I'm like, well, it's easy to say when you don't have you don't have to worry about money, <laughs> right? <laughs> Um, and, and, and so I think, um, I made a lot of choices early on that allowed me to have, um, kind of a baseline of financial success to allow me to then start to make some of the choices I'm making now, um, which is, uh, which has been good. And, and I, you know, I I hope that, um, you know, I think the, uh, the other thing that I think is so important to me that I should mention is. Every every success I've had and 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 every failure, you know, in some ways, but but more more often than successes, um, all the success is built on a lot of other people helping, mm-hmm. um, whether it's 
whether it's every person who who works at our businesses or my business partner or my wife or my you know my family um or even my kids you know and 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 i think that that's another goal of mine now is that i give back as much as possible and i think that will only accelerate my kids my older three kids are in middle school now and you know they're going to get to high school and college soon and and I think when that happens, I think I'm going to even accelerate more in terms of what I'm trying to give back because I, I think I've, I've been given so much, um, so much opportunity and, and, and so many gifts. And I just, I, I am very, very passionate on making sure that I help as many people as I can because so many people helped me. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, hey, last question. And, um, you know, again, I appreciate all the time and all, all of the insights and in, in in, in the richness in your story, Adam. But um, kind of the fun last question, um, you know, a little bit of a back to the future nerd, uh, call it the DeLorean question. So if you could jump in your DeLorean and go back, you know, kind of go back to 19, you know, where I guess it was, it, you're, you're younger than I. So like early 2000s, you're in, you're in, early, you're in your early 20s. Um, you know, you go back in time and you can have kind of a few moments with yourself, have a conversation. Is there anything in particular you'd, you'd say to yourself now, you know, now that you've gotten through your life or what would that conversation you think would feel like? Yeah, I love that. I love that. I love the back of the, I love back to the future. It's such a good <laughs> Uh, I would not, uh, uh, I would try not to alter time. I wouldn't talk to myself, Todd, because you all know you cannot do that because it could, <laughs> it, it, it could end the universe. But if I, if I could actually talk to myself, um, I, a couple things. Um, one, I would, I would first and foremost make sure that my 22 year old self was taking good care of the 22 year old I was married to. You know, it, you know, I would remind myself, hey, Hey, buddy, you got really lucky with your wife here. Take good care of her. And fortunately, she's stuck around and, and we've been married almost 20 years now. But um, I would start there because I, I, I do think so much of my career was built on the fact that I had a very stable marriage and and has been very an easy marriage and, and, and a partnership and, and all that. And so I would really start there because to me that um, that being there and the lack of stress, you know, the, the, the virtual no stress I had, particularly once we started having kids, I had a spouse who was just incredible about, um, about making sure everything was okay on the home front. So I would start there. Um, and then, you know, more kind of, you know, methodically with the career, I think I would tell myself to just try to have, uh, more fun with it. Mm. Um, I, I, I stressed a lot or particularly early on, um, and, and over stuff that probably wasn't that important, but it felt important at the yeah. time, right? A, a, a deadline for a presentation or, um, you know, maybe trying to get a promotion. Um, and I, I think I, I wish I had realized at the time that this was such, it was a long game, right? I've, I've been working now. Um, so we're coming up on uh, 2022. So I've been working for 17 years. Mm -hmm. and, and, and so 17 years is a long time and a lot happens in, in 17 years. And I think oftentimes I was in a rush. It kind of goes back to the business school uh, question you asked earlier. Why did I go after three years? Well, I went after three years because I was constantly being driven to try to do the next thing, the next mm -hmm. thing, the next thing, right? Mm -hmm. And to try to advance. And I wish I wish I had, if I could have given myself some advice, it might have said, hey, um, 
you know, take some time and try to enjoy the journey a little more. Mm. And I think I've been better about that the last, you know, call it decade um, as I've gotten older. But I wish I could tell my 22-year-old self that, hey, I know this feels stressful now, um, but, you know, it, it, it'll be okay and you'll be fine. And, and just try to relax and, and enjoy the process. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, uh, I don't know that. But I know my 22-year-old self would have said, uh, you're an old man. You don't know anything. I'm going to, I'm going to be fine. So, uh, <laughs> so that was, that was another thing I would have said is try to be more humble, dumbass. Uh, sorry. <laughs> sorry. Uh, um, but, but that humility came with, you know, so, n- nothing like some good failures along the way that to, to, to get you a good dose of humility. And I'm, I'm grateful for that. That's good. That's good. Well, hey, Adam, man, this is awesome. I appreciate you coming on. Um, it's a great, like I said, it's a great story. Lots of great insights. Is there anything else that you, you feel like maybe we didn't touch on that you thought might be be useful or insightful? You know, I think the only other thing I, I, I would say is I think people oftentimes um, don't view or, or they can be entrepreneurial and they don't even realize it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think sometimes we, we try to I think people put entrepreneurs in a box mm-hmm. where it's it's you know, it's oh, you have to be this type of person. You have to be a risk taker. You have to be this. And, and the thing I would say is I've seen, you know, you, once you meet one kind of small business owner or entrepreneur, you met one, I mean, they're all different and everybody's different. And, and so I, I think if, if, you know, I think the one thing I would say is as folks are thinking about their careers and whatnot, being an entrepreneur, being an entrepreneur has just been so um, fulfilling for me. And I, I think it, it, sometimes for some people it's scary, but I think those same people are the ones who have the exact skills to make it happen. So yeah, um, that might be the only thing I'd, I'd no, say. It's good. Well, it, there's, I mean, like I said, you've, there's a lot of great insights. That's a great one in the sense of we, a lot of times people think of entrepreneurs and they're like, Oh, it has to be tech company on the right. way to a billion dollars. And that's the only thing that is defined as entrepreneurship. Right. And, and you're right. Like small business, ownership, you know, even, even, you know, startups that might have a ceiling of 10 or 20 million, but can be run and be successful are entrepreneurial. So I I think you're absolutely right. I think that's a great, great insight. So, um, well, Hey Adam, I appreciate your time, man. This was great, man. Thank you for having me. So again, Adam is someone I know, uh, I I really respect him. He's actually had a big impact on, on my career journey and a lot of my decisions both professionally and personally. Um, so it was great to have him on the show. Uh, I think he offers a lot of um, what I'd call unique perspective just because of his journey. Cause a lot of people I think get out and, and, you know, they pursue a corporate opportunity. They go into kind of, you know, a career path that you would assume is quote unquote traditional um, coming out of school, whatever that career journey might be. And, that, and again, I think what he talked about there. And again, why I think I love his his response to that kind of finding your passion is, you know, his passion wasn't necessarily an industry or wasn't necessarily a type of job necessarily. It was more about where he was from and how important that is and how, how important it is to him to make it a better place. And through that passion, he's found opportunities with what he's doing at New Page Capital with his business partner to invest in companies, create jobs. Um, you know, really build up communities. Uh, and, and he doesn't talk a lot about it on the show, but he also, you know, he, you know, he mentions this about having control over his time. He also then has a lot of time that he's able to dedicate to, you know, giving himself into the community through 
you know, uh, involvement in boards and uh, some of the, you know, Chamber of Commerce activity within Greensboro. So again, I think, you know, as you listen to the show and, and some really great takeaways, everyone's going to have their own takeaways. But, you know, as he navigated his career and he thought about what was important to him and how he was able to kind of achieve success and, and really think about, you know, what was important, you know, uh, you know, the, the classic success question that I ask a lot of guests around what's different today than what it was when you were younger and how he really talks about, you know, being with his family and what that means in terms of how he phrases it, the control over his time really became super important to him. And, and he now feels very kind of purpose built around what he's doing, or he's kind of built an opportunity to have a lot of purpose in his career um, because of some of these steps and some of these decisions he's made to uh, start this this group new page and, and invest in these companies and operate these companies. So um, again, I, it's a great story uh, and a great, a great career journey. And um, I appreciated Adam on the show. And again, if you like it, you know, just a reminder, please rate it, follow it, uh, share it with your friends uh, and, and, and a reminder. I mean, we've done, you know, now we're, we're get, getting through this, the third season here. So we've got two previous seasons. We've got about 20 previous guests that have shared their stories. We're going to continue to do this. Um, so, you know, I encourage you, if you haven't listened to the show, there's a lot of great um, uh, stories that we've, we've been able to share through Career Catalyst. Uh, and it's not always, you know, it's not always category specific. So if you're interested in finance, there's certainly some great finance people that we've talked to or people with careers in finance. But there's a lot of other people that might might not, not necessarily have a career in finance, but they've got great career insights or great, um, I think, feedback on how their career journey has taken shape. So, again, I appreciate you listening. I uh, hope you uh, enjoyed this show and I hope you get a chance to enjoy some of the other shows. Thanks so much. Have a great day.